0: Welcome to #Hashtag with Navguzichwanuka. This is the place where we help you unravel social constructs, discuss self-development in line with mental health and everything in between that directly or indirectly affects us in the millennial world around us. If you're hearing my voice for the first time and are the kind of person who is not scared of being a better version of yourself, even if it requires you to contradict who you were 24 hours ago, consider this your virtual home. I am your host, Nabuguzi Chiwanuka, a lawyer, founder, strong team lead of Equate Foundation, an addict and lover of insightful conversations, and a professional unraveler of social constructs. On site with me is Tina Antulo. She's an over two decade practicing psychologist, currently working with Strong Minds Uganda. She has been with us before, and she continues to extend her generosity to us by guiding us through the intricacies of mental health. Today, she and I are going to talk about grief and its impact on our mental health. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Tina, welcome to Hi. hashtag Winavguzi Chiwanuka. Thank you. Do I say what? welcome back? <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. It's and like the future will come back.
1: I can't walk into our room. It is
0: this some mobile one. Some <laughs> mm-hmm. mobile room.
1: Mm.
0: I can't, I'm not, we're not going to get into the introductions. Mm. If you want to know who Tina is, please go and visit the mental health awareness episode. She's there talking about who she is, her history and everything. But what you need to know is that she's a mental health practitioner. She is a counselor, she does everything related to someone helping. People with mental illnesses, people, people with mental
2: ment- health problems. Mm-hmm. Some people use people with mental disorders. I've
0: heard, I've, ha- I've heard people having a problem with using, I think, the word disorder or was it something else? Or was it issues? Uh. Some, something political about some words.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, those who s- live with mental i'll say disorders Mm -hmm. i prefer to call themselves users of psychiatric services or users of mental health services that way they are not defined by the illness Mm. yeah like when you see me and you say i'm a person with a mental disorder it's not the only thing that's there about me i also have talents ambitions and other things going on in my life and this is just one aspect of so i am a user of a service so they use the word users of mental health services users of psychiatric services it does make sense yeah so the disorder is the one that we diagnose and it's not always active so for example when a person has a uh, bipolar affective disorder it means that you have you have that illness that has both depression and mania but when you're on, on treatment you do not we do not say you're ill until you're symptomatic oh, yeah. so once you're on treatment we do not say you're sick we just say that you have a diagnosable disorder. So mm, that's the difference mm, between mm, people mm, with mental disorders and people with mental illness. When we say people with mental illness, we're talking about people who have active symptoms. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, that's how we differentiate it. Um, But, yeah, you, you yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I would also be, um a strong advocate for the user of mental health services, but it's such a brand new term that when <laughs> you use it, people have no idea who you're talking about
0: so it's like measuring a, my uh-huh. name so long yeah of users of
2: of mental health services or users of psychiatric services right, right so in that right, case, you would, right. you don't say I'm a diabetic, I am a user of i think internal medicine or you are a user
1: of. insulin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
2: Goodness. It's it's kind of weird, but it's a different take to the whole thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah they'll we're yeah, they'll advocate for themselves, and it will figure it will sort itself out in terms of the nomenclature at some point. But right, right, yeah. right. So yeah, right. but so easier. I work with people with mental health problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you look at the months between the last time I saw you to date, mm-hmm. you notice that the month of June. Mm-hmm when I talk about we, (laughs) I'm talking about the Ugandans. I don't know about the other countries. Mm -hmm. We suffered so much death related to COVID. Mm -hmm. Every other day, I mean, there was a time when I woke up in the morning and before it was 10 a.m., I had gotten news of about five people that were dead and I was exhausted. I was like, I'm done for the day. (laughs) Let me get away from the Mm phone." So with all this death around us happening, and also talking about uh, picking up something that you talked about in the previous episode as uh, death or grief causing someone to have mental health, their mental health affected. Mm-hmm. How can you help us paint a picture of what this really looks like?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, let's, let's try and do that. Um, so death is a normal event as mm-hmm. much as we do not like talk about it, yeah, it happens. It will happen to all of us at some point, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, because it's a normal event, we actually have an inbuilt mechanism to deal with death and to handle death. Okay. And that inbuilt mechanism um, takes us through certain stages, which I'll explain later. But they take us to certain stages that allow us to arrive at the end of grieving, or what we call arriving at a new normal. Okay. And because death is an, an an everyday event. It's going to happen. Culturally, socially, we have also put around us certain things, certain customs, certain rituals yeah. that we do to just help with this grieving process. So we have the wake, we have the service, we have the actual burial. Yeah. People have things they do after, um, and then maybe one month after and four months after and yeah. things like that. Yeah. And actually when you think about it, um most of those actually also coincide with the actual stages of grief. But it would be nice for somebody to do a larger scientific study around that so that we're mm-hmm. not just, just using mm-hmm. our opinions, yeah. So yeah, so in a in a normal w- occurrence, death is hard, it's not, by the way, the event of death is hard. It is hardest on the persons who remain. The person who's passed away, we cannot speak for them because yeah. they are gone, yeah? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it is hardest on the people who remain. You love your significant other, that is either your parent, your partner, your child, your workmate, your best friend, yeah. whatever relationship you have with this person and them not longer being a part of your space, a part of your life is painful mm-hmm. in itself. Mm-hmm. Then the way people die adds on to the grieving, especially when it, the death doesn't make sense so yeah, yeah. Uh, robberies um, weird accidents um, some some things happen and they're senseless which is different from and it makes it different from how we grieve for example for older persons who've lived their lives and yeah. now you're celebrating 90 years, 100 years 80 years of this person's life and now they've you know they, they, they've passed on and you're like oh my god this person had a full life you're going to miss them yes but mm-hmm. there's a way of Make You can rationalize it because yeah. the person has been around for a long time. But for younger people, it's sometimes very senseless in terms of trying to figure out why. So during that grieving process, um, of course, extra to the, 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 the social and customary rituals we put around us to guide us or to help us or facilitate the grieving process. Mentally, there are certain things that happen to you as you go through grieving. Yeah. And these are all normal. You will go through denial. I can't believe this person has gone. Mm. I, I am in shock that this person has died. One week after the 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 service, you will even and set the table for your husband and her. Cook his meal as though you're expecting him to walk through cook the door. his meal. Yeah, yeah, and that's perfectly normal. You're in denial. You're in shock. You do not want to accept that this person is not coming Isn't back. Isn't
1: it more painful
0: when you cook the meal and the well, person doesn't people,
2: eat it? People have different ways of coping. Yeah, but you people tell you, like, I I washed the shirts and hung them up on the hangar. hanger. I I picked up the. I had this news that I picked up the phone and wanted to call. Then it hit me that this person isn't going to pick up on the other hand side. Yeah. So you go through denial. By the way, denial is perfectly normal. You're not losing your mind. You're mm-hmm. not going cuckoos. It's part of the grieving process. Yeah. Then after the denial will come the uh what we call the bargaining when you now start having conversations with God or you have conversations with 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 uh, with yourself and with other people about things you wish you could have done to prevent the death things you wish you could have said before the person passed conflicts you wish you could have but solved gaining. things you did not do that could have made the person happier this is when you find um i remember one one of the books i read um th- this boy lost his mother to an accident and in that morning he she wanted him to wear a certain shirt, and he was very annoyed because he didn't like it. So after the death, he wore the shirt every day, like as though in his mind he was appeasing himself and her for the conflict they had had before she died. Yeah, so people will go yeah, through that kind yeah. of bargaining stage and then people will go through anger after that. They'll be extremely upset, upset at the system, upset at relatives, upset at themselves, upset at the person who died. Why didn't you fight enough? Why didn't you follow instructions? Mm. I told you, you should have told me. And even when they're crying, those are some of the things they'll be saying to their other people who are around for, <laughs> supporting them to go through grief. Yeah. So we have the anger, we have the, sorry, we've got the denial, we've got the bargaining, the anger, then people go through depression. They'll literally feel depressed like a person who has depressive disorder. All the symptoms of depression will be present during that that time. We do not treat it because it's a normal process of grieving they'll lose interest in the things they used to enjoy there'll be a persistent heaviness and sadness feelings of guilt feelings of worthlessness is life even important anymore they'll lose concentration appetite sleep all of that is going to happen they will be depressed yeah but because we can attribute that to grief and the loss of a person we do not call that person as having the depressive disorder Mm We just said they're going through grieving. And at the end of that, they will arrive at what we call acceptance, creating a new normal in their life, a way of living without this person being present. Everybody arrives at acceptance at some point. There is no hard rule that it will take six months or one year or two years. It's totally dependent on your relationship with the person, how involved you are with them, the circumstances in which they died, and what social support system you received. Now, when do we get concerned as mental health workers? We get concerned as mental health workers when we look at the relationship you had with the person and the amount of time it's taking you to get to acceptance. Mm. So anytime, sometimes two years, sometimes a person will be grieving for two years, but when they explain to me what's happening, I'll say, that's okay, take your time. Another person will be stuck for two years and I'll be like, "Uh uh-oh, that's not right. We need to sort this out, Yeah? yeah? Yeah, so everything is related to the relationship. So for example, if you've lost a spouse, a good spouse, Two years is not enough for you to That's grieve. Very you might want more a than that. Yeah, I have to use the word a good one because an abusive <laughs> one will be a totally different conversation. Yeah, but this you know, what, so I good. stick yeah. to that. If you've lost a good spouse or a best friend or um. Uh, you know, a coworker who was really helpful oh, yes. and, and was seated next to you every day, five days a week, someone who you talked to, went to lunch with, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those deaths can take up to two years to get over. But then there are others where, hey, goondi, gundi, ne gundi, yeah, you might be upset, you knew them, they were acquaintances, but you recover much faster. So grief takes anywhere between six months to two years. We get concerned after that but we always have to put into consideration the context of the relationship yeah. of the person who you lost and the circumstances in which they passed away before we can now say things have gotten out of hand and you need professional support to get through the grieving
0: now you've spoken something that has really become personal on my end mm-hmm. and i'm a little bit scared this might start looking like a live counseling session <laughs> I lost my grandmother Mm in 2008. Mm -hmm. And before 2008, 2004, I was playing Ludo with my mother on the veranda. You know Ludo? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I was playing Ludo with her, and then it got dark. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what we're really talking about in that moment, but all of a sudden I told her, I don't want grandmother to die before me. I was 11 at that time, and... She was like, oh, that's impossible. I don't know how far we went with our conversation, but I remember her saying something like, that is impossible. Four years down the road, she died. And I got to her bed because they picked me out of an examination, got home without knowing what's happening, and then just getting home, I'm seeing her covered on her bed everyone is there i don't know how i jumped every other person that was there and i got to her bed but i remember myself waking her up i wanted to tell her something like i wanted her to i was like one second Mm -hmm. please give me a second first come back a bit let me tell you something and i think what i wanted to tell her in that moment was that i love you Mm -hmm. i had learned how to be expressive of emotions in that period like my, my expression of emotions before then was only anger mm-hmm. that is all you could get if i loved you you would get it in a note but if i was angry you would hear it straight from me
1: mm-hmm.
0: so in that moment i think i had learned how to say hey i love you and things like that and i wanted her to go with that mm-hmm. i loved her but oh, i was mostly silent and we never really had to chat mm-hmm. but since then i don't think a year has gone by without me crying and last year was so bad because it came to i was in a period of m- the memory of my dad my dad's passing and then i remembered my grandmother and everything was terrible mm-hmm. so in that moment i was like hey no, i can't go on like this mm-hmm. because how many years is that now 2008 Two thousand twenty one, thirteen years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like okay, now I need I need to get this worked on. Mm-hmm. But then if sometimes, like I can just be going about my life, maybe working in the office, doing work, like like life is normal. And then all of a sudden, something whispers, "Yo, do you know you woke up your grandmother and she didn't wake up?" Mm-hmm. And then, oh my goodness, yeah, it just it just but I think i've gotten, gotten stronger <laughs> I mean you because do You the definitely
2: times, do with time gets all the stronger. times that I've been mm. talking
0: about it mm. I've been you crying
2: cry. exactly
0: but I've not today okay. you
2: haven't yeah
0: okay yeah I
2: mean you it it takes time and you can't you can't decide that you're you're going to forget this person they're a significant part of your life, and as a child well a child normally under the age of seven they they will not remember the person they lost now the, especially under the age of five they'll have some kind of memory but normally it is not a true reflection of the actual things that happen because they create memories for themselves yeah, yeah? because you, you you can't unfile that far back uh, so there's some truth to it and then there's some make-believe added to it mm-hmm. at seven the same thing will happen older children will have will probably remember more the person they lost but because at that age our brains have not yet developed to understand the concept of eternity Mm -hmm. and that this person is gone forever and then in your teenage years also you're struggling with just learning your own emotional literacy so basically what you've described is normal teenage behavior yeah they are faster to express anger and what they do not like not as fast as expressing what they like it's normal teenage behavior oh yeah yeah you're very normal by the way nothing
0: like being silent no,
2: no, no, no. <laughs> you know, I
0: like I think what also destroys me that mm-hmm. or what kept destroying me was I wish I started talking sooner.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because even when we would go to the village to I could spend the whole day sleeping. Mm-hmm. I loved her, but we couldn't really we couldn't we didn't have those conversations, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And now the moment she died, I felt like whoa, I don't have time. Uh-huh. Because that was my first, I don't know, should I call it my first experience of death? Because my dad had already passed on before I was born. Uh-huh. I knew that. Uh-huh. But now this is someone that I've experienced and they're now plucked out of my life.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And as soon as that happened, I was on tension. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, now there is mom and my guardian. hmm uh-huh. The moment I would call them, if I was at school and they don't pick, oh my goodness, they have died. Yeah, she can't fail to pick her phone, mm. and then I would start crying mm-hmm. until the caller was like, oh, you are alive." Mm. So I became more expressive of my emotions because now, for me, what happened in that moment was that for the people that I love, mm. if they are to die, I don't want to feel this thing again. That they left without me knowing that I that I loved them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, mm. I think you've
2: actually pre- described the bargaining phase very well.
0: When you talked about it, that's when I went yeah. there. I was like, "Yo, this is it." Yeah,
2: yeah. And some people can't get stuck in a phase. You yeah. can get stuck in a phase for one year, two years, three years, four years, ten years
0: 13, 13 years, thirteen
2: years. You can actually get stuck in a phase where you are failing to resolve the. What could I have done better? Or oh, the anger, and this, for example, you see people having anger towards, you know, uh, the loss of a person, and in a way, some this some of um, our best kept, uh, our best known campaigns come from that kind of anger mm-hmm. to improve the health system for the delivery of a certain drug or a delivery of a certain procedure. That comes from the anger, yeah. Um, but of course, if it isn't managed well, it then consumes the person, right? So yeah. we have that, and that's a that, that's a different thing altogether. But anger is good the gaining is good because it helps you make sense of the death that mm-hmm. has occurred the passing of this person that you loved but it has to be resolved yeah so when it gets past a certain time and for each person it's different there is no prescription and i have to add that because we shouldn't just go start dishing out antidepressants for people because they've lost loved ones yeah and neither should we medicalize death because and grief because it's a normal process of life. And there's so many other things that affect how we grieve. For example our coping strategies um, the support system you have around you. And this is one of the things I have seen people doing when guys are grieving. Please stop telling people do not cry. Let yeah. people cry. Yeah. For crying yeah. out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Let
0: yeah. people yeah. cry.
2: Let people be angry. Let people say how upset they are. Let people verbalize their feelings. But many times you hear people saying oh be strong, be strong strong. Strength comes from me verbalizing how upset I am, how sad I am, how um, this doesn't make sense. That is strength. The weakness is on the person who is actually going, nothing happened, sweeping out of the carpet, because you will explode at some point Yeah, in time. right. So right, when you're right. supporting someone in grief, allow them to express. It is uncomfortable. Sometimes you don't know what to say, and that is perfect, because you don't need to say anything. You just need to be there. Mm-hmm. You, all you need to do is be there. You don't need to say anything. You don't need to help that person rationalize. You don't need to have the best answers. Just be present and let this person go through what they are going through. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, those are the stages of grief. death. Uh, sorry, the stages of grief. And you've also brought out something very important. It's like um, sometimes we also go through multiple griefs. You have not fully resolved one grief Yeah. and then some another person passes on. So while you're still bargaining over this one or angry over whatever happened with this one, then you lose another one. So now you have two stages of, the, of grief taking place within you, right? Yeah. And then another person. And this has happened a lot during COVID. You're just trying to make sense of one friend. Yeah, and then yeah, the relative yeah, passes yeah, on. You're trying yeah, to make sense yeah, of that. Yeah, then your yeah. workmate passes on. You're trying to make sense of what. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in this confusion of, what's going on in my mind yeah i'm not sleeping i'm not eating i'm having nightmares i'm having palpitations i'm afraid i don't Mm. want every time my phone rings i am afraid i start having palpitations because you're thinking bad news is coming um and you uh, and you end up whatever and by the way it's just because it's a lot it's a lot going on it's a lot for your mind to 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 comprehend if you think of yourself as a filing system in your brain your brain is trying to figure out how to make sense of everything and putting them in the right place yeah, and it's yeah. just too much going on at the same time and it's normal where i keep telling people you know and am people to me oh this person needs counseling we'll have a conversation but i always have to remind them what you're going through is normal it's okay. Everything you're feeling is normal. It's okay. Feel it. Yeah. Allow yourself to feel it. Find a safe place for people to help you feel it and not to shut you down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But multiple grief, now, when, when you fail to resolve multiple griefs, that's what we call unresolved or complicated grief. Yeah. And these things also then become even more complicated when the way the person passed away doesn't make sense to you. Mm-hmm. When you fail to rationalize how the person died.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and, and the ability to rationalize and say, you know, we all come up with the statements it was God's doing, it was his time or her time, they are in a better place now. All oh, of yeah, those are rationalizations yeah, 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 that yeah. help us come to terms. They were suffering, they were very ill, it was better for them to go. Yeah. 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 They lived their life. I mean, we'll come up with all of these statements. That process of rationalizing helps us accept that now I'm going to have to live a new normal that's going to be filled with memories of my significant other, Mm
1: -hmm. but
2: I have to continue moving on with life. And that's also perfectly fine. But when you are still stuck in the phases of grief and you're still trying to rationalize for one person, then the next person passes on, then another person passes on, it can become too much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at that point in time, you will need professional help just to kind of help you create the right strands of getting this done in your brain so that you can move on sometimes it will correct itself grief always does that grief and time are good buddies oh yeah. yeah yeah time always makes things better however it's only helpful if people are helping you express what's going on if everything just gets shoved under a carpet or into some box somewhere in your mind it will sit there Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the way we were made is that nothing goes unresolved. Right. At some right, point right, in time, right, t, right. it will explode. Mm-hmm. So when you tell your story, the first thing I can think of is probably she was told, Silica, it's okay, don't cry that much. Or probably it was everybody else was concerned about one other person and they were, you were not given space. Now what or, happened, or, I think you know,
0: what happened, Nora, hmm. what happened that real day? Yeah. Now the attention went off the dead person because because of this too much mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. I ended up getting an asthmatic attack. Mm-hmm. And then there was a there was a period when my attacks were severe. Mm-hmm. Actually the between the age of 13 and 16, mm-hmm. they got so severe to a point that they would sort of cut off oxygen to some parts of the body. Mm-hmm. So I started getting stiff. Mm-hmm. I know they had to go away from the dead person and They actually made me step away. Mm -hmm. I didn't even see her get buried.
2: Oh, that that makes sense. They
0: really took me away Mm -hmm. from people. Like, I was put aside and they were...
2: So you didn't finish. Basically, you didn't finish that ritual of saying goodbye.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. And that now, uh, it makes then sense why it's a lingering thought that keeps coming back because you didn't finish saying your goodbye. And... and also, it's also interesting that you talk about yourself as a teenager because um, when young people are grieving, one, they don't have a full understanding of, of this infinity, this de- um, departing of a person. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the fact that you do not have the emotional literacy to go through what you're going through. And what most people begin to see are behaviors where you dissociate, which is pretty much what you have talked about, where you, you you go numb in places, you'll have more frequent asthma attacks. That's actually sometimes it's not the asthma itself, it's just your brain trying to sort out the stress that it is going through, yeah, yeah, and that's why actually people say, oh, this person when they were kids, they were sickly, we were in hospital all the time after this happened, but as an adult, more into hospitals after that. As an adult, it's done, but that was your process of grieving, nobody just picked it up at that point and said, Nabuguzi needs to see a therapist to help her work this out.
0: I was actually carried to one, and she mm-hmm. was the worst person. Sorry
2: what? about that. You have no idea how many times I'm apologizing for my <laughs> colleagues. <I'm laughs> so sorry
0: about that. You know, yeah. you know and, and she then She told you off. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't know how to talk about these things. Yeah. And I wasn't so much in a space of saying stuff mm-hmm. about me. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I was locked in a system of looking out for mm-hmm. who needs help. And I had never placed myself in Uh a space of, I need help. Uh So when I was carried to her, I wasn't even given a reason as to why I was seeing her. Uh Mom just told me, I got got taken out of school. Something else had happened with a friend and then she just got me so disorganized. So I got carried to Professor Kanyerezi, may he rest in peace. And then he spoke of something like, was oxygen not getting to my brain or something like that I didn't really listen in, the way how they were talking it's like they were using coded language and then I got placed on medication mm-hmm. and then when, it, when the holiday reached I was taken to this psychiatrist okay let me not say her name <laughs>
2: Yeah, let us not say. So name. last year, <laughs> last year
0: when everything made sense, because I was mm. trying to do an assessment of myself, mm-hmm. like how do I, how did I come into this space of mental health? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a moment when suicide at some point was like, wait, so this is why people commit suicide? This is where people get. And then I was like, okay, that happened, but what might have happened years before? Mm-hmm. And this is when I'm like, wait. I went to a psychiatrist
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then this chick said mean things, like is she crazy? So I started looking for her name. I wanted to find her on <laughs> social media and ask her, Were you crazy years ago? But I couldn't find her. I was like, okay, okay, let me just let her be. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm
2: so sorry
0: about that.
2: Yeah. I'm so
0: sorry about that. Yeah.
2: But it is it is hard and it is it's it is hard because for so long we haven't talked about these things and for so long we haven't because um, even those cultural things we used to do where people would move into your home for a month and work yeah. with you and support you and be around and let you, I mean for example I, I love this analogy that I was given by my professor, I'll never forget it when I was doing my psychology school and he was like you know everybody in, 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 in uh, coastal Kenya yeah. they, they, they have this thing of you know they understand that widows who, who of widows yeah will grieve their husbands for a long time and it's very complicated in their community yeah so th- when she starts screaming and yelling and running across the village going through a hysteric feat the whole village joins her to run with her yes and oh, support because oh they run, not they that need, they're chasing her down no because they need she need they know and understand that that's an outlet Wow, it's an outlet for her to just express this frustration that she's been holding, trying to keep her home together, fighting over land, missing her husband and protector, um, um, and all the other things that have come with now her having this new position of being the the caregiver. And the community would actually be like, hey, let's let's run. They would be stopping her and holding her down. No, they would join in and and they would let her do this expression and then she would be fine. So those are things we do culturally supportive would come and sit with you, and you know even the professional nomona, That is what their role was to help you with the crying. So oh, that, yes, it was. It's actually a positive thing. Oh, but the, now we've mixed up that culture and this new northern culture, and it's we, we've kind of lost how we express ourselves. And I think it's something that we need to learn how to do again, especially now when, for example, in COVID, where you there was no video. Mm. most people who didn't have vigils or yeah, didn't have time yeah, to have yeah, vigils yeah, yeah. it's just what 20 people invited to the home and sometimes people are still recovering from COVID so nobody will go because they don't want to be infected mm-hmm. then the whole there's almost no service because the churches are like this is not coming here yeah. uh, 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 and, and then the whole burial process you know these guys are on call they have other bodies to go pick and bury so they're looking at you like you know get moving you know because yeah and and it has to be done so the whole process of just being able to express yourself in grief during this time has just become harder because you do not have the space then it's all done and then the people who used to stay around to support you can't come like they used to it was locked down or whatever so nobody would come around the home to keep you and you find yourself alone with all these thoughts and you don't know what to do and that's what has made grief harder this season Mm. and as we go into the fourth wave this is what people need to think about one try your best not to get COVID. but it is not your fault if you get it yeah and if you do and lose somebody you just remember that grief is okay it's okay to cry it's okay to to be upset it's okay and it's okay for people to rally around the person and allow them to express themselves allow people to express themselves you don't have to have the right answers you don't even have to say anything just be present Mm. Yeah. And, um, and the last thing that I wanted to talk about grief that's related to, the, to, to COVID and everything was something that I've seen in practice coming up a lot is what we call survivor's guilt. Okay. Uh, survivor's guilt was coined um, those days in the World War where, um, uh, during the World War and after the World War, where um, soldiers would, would begin to experience mental health problems because they survived the war. Because now, ideally, they yes, because they survived the war. They lost their fr- their their part of their platoons or their colleagues, but then they survived. So people would expect that this person has come home from war. They are alive. They should be happy and celebrating. Mm. But instead, you watch this person going through depression, and you can't understand why. And it's 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 difficult for this person because once you have a person who's close to you and you've gone through the same experience, a car accident getting COVID um, or any other significant event uh, earthquake or whatever you lose them and you survive at some point in the grieving process that bargaining process you start asking yourself why me why is it me who survived and this person died what was it about me that made that happen what could I have done to make sure that this person survived as well yeah so then there's becomes this growing this overwhelming guilt begins to develop in this person and to grow and it takes over their thinking and it makes the grieving process even harder so you get stuck in the bargaining and you can't move into the anger and the acceptance because you're still in this guilt space yeah, yeah. and then you turn inward to yourself a lot uh, and 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 of course people try and rationalize it was god's time whatever but it doesn't make sense to you at that point um, most people do overcome it like remember when we talked about the first the first session we did when we said 75% of us are resilient we yeah. will overcome at some point whatever is thrown away mm-hmm, but there's mm-hmm. a 25% of us who will need help so now if you're already vulnerable to having depression and you begin to go through this experiences and these events then there's a high chance that you will not resolve grief properly and there's a high chance that you'll end up with depression unless you are able to develop positive coping mechanisms early
0: Mm.
2: yeah so this season has been difficult for people and it will continue especially now as we've opened up and um life has gone on yeah yeah and uh, people who are grieving are now being forced to go back to the hustle. They are being forced to continue to live life as is normal. Mm. But you're like, wait a minute. Guys, hello. I'm still grieving.
0: Yeah, I'm still yeah. hurting. Yeah. I'm still sad. Yeah. I'm
2: still missing my person. But the taxpayer, the job, the rent, the children's fees, yeah. the tomatoes and onions, don't care. You know what I mean? Life goes on. Mm. Yeah. And so how do we then help you understand that in as much as life is going on, you can still continue grieving.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And, and, and catch up. And one of the things we say to people is that the first thing is that it is normal. It is normal to feel bad. It is normal to cry. It is normal not to want to see people it is normal to feel guilty it is normal to feel angry it is normal to be upset it is normal to wake up in the morning and want to talk to the person as though they are right there but they are not it is normal during the grieving process And what you need to do is now find a safe space, someone who understands this, and you can talk to them about it. And some of the strategies, I know some people are writing letters, some people are keeping journals, some people are, some families are gathering together, at least every so often, just to talk about things they enjoyed about the person, missed about the person. And it's also important to talk about unresolved conflicts, because those With those people. Those make grief very heavy, the things that were unsaid. my grandfather died last year yeah
0: and i didn't cry all through Mm. i didn't have an attachment with him Mm -hmm. now let me tell you (laughs) i've not talked about this with someone but i think i tried to communicate with my cousin that very day and for me the person that i was thinking about in that moment was my mom she had been away from home for i don't know how many days and i had to get back home without her And now I first stood in the compound, actually in the backyard. I couldn't get into the house and cried. I don't know where the emotions came from. And every negative thing I had heard about him, I told him how unfair he was. Mm -hmm. And now he is stressing my mother. (laughs) By dying. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then I was like, and that that is how I moved on. Like in that moment like in because when he died, I still had I was responsible for catering for my guardian. He's also in his o- in his old age and I call him grandfather. So I think when all was done, when the day was done and the pressures were down, this is when it's like, Oh, this guy is actually dead. Mhm. Jesus, I've returned home and my mother is not here. You guys, can you get serious? Like, Mm -hmm. are you always trouble? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: It all makes perfect sense. And it's important. Those are the things that make grief difficult. The unresolved conflicts, the unsaid things. And it's important that as families, as best friends people who are supporting others that you allow people to talk about it mm. allow people to say, imagine, the, imagine I promised to buy this dress and I never did I promised to fix this on around the house and I never did I we had this argument and I should have apologized and I did not Oh, I, should have apologized. all of those things that all that has is hard be, it I is should hard, have apologized. But it all has to be verbalized because keeping it in makes the grieving process longer mm-hmm. So verbalize it you can't go to them and that's why I say to people Visit the grave. Sit there and have a conversation. Yes, it's with air, but have it. The person is...
0: Have ish, They are ish. There, ish. Yeah.
2: Depending on what you believe. Um, <laughs> but have it. Yeah. Have it. Do something symbolic that allows you to feel that you have let go. Of the thing that is holding on to you. Mm. That's why I'm saying some people write, some people sing, some people go sit at the graveyard and have conversations. Some people, some families have now created, uh, you know, family rituals where at least once in a while they'll talk about it. And don't hush the kids away, and don't be in a hurry to clear things from the house so that um, um, you, mm. you say that you've forgotten the person. Yeah. Don't be in a hurry, because I've seen that happening a lot, where people are like, oh, we are helping you. Now they come and empty cupboards and whatever. Don't do that. Let the person take their time. When I'm ready to give up my husband's clothes, I'll give them up. When I'm ready to give up, people can hold on to these things. I'm okay. We know. Most of us will tell you, it's okay when you're ready. But removing them away doesn't make the grief healing process faster.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, It doesn't.
2: And even when you take them away, don't give them away yet, because this person who's grieving might want them back next month. Because depending on which stage of grief they're going through, they might become a comfort. And then now this is where now conflicts start, oh, they even did this and they even did that, and grieving also brings out the best in people, it also brings out the worst in people. And some of the family conflicts arise because of these kinds of things. So allow people to take their time. Allow people to express themselves. Yeah. If symptoms persist, and for me, I think I'll say, let's say one year, you get concerned, reach out, look for us, two five two, star two five two, option ten, hash, option ten, yeah. I we'll have that able on my to head. <laughs> <laughs> Should we say that again? Star
0: two five two. Star two five two. Hash,
2: ha- option ten. Yes. And we shall provide support.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are two things I've taken away from this conversation. You've talked about the stages of grief, mm-hmm. and I was looking at myself be, before 15, mm-hmm. how I was struggling with my father's mm-hmm. death mm-hmm. because I didn't find him. He, was already, he had already passed on when I was born. And then it was just something that I would say. Mm. You know, they, Where's your dad? He died. Mm. Like He died. Like It was automatic. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't have to wait for you to say, Father, mm-hmm. Like he died. Mm. And then at some point I was like, you know, you watch Nigerian movies. Mm-hmm. They would bury a wrong person, and then the person shows up. Mm-hmm. I was like, this guy. I think it's like in Northern Uganda. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for him to come back. I was so excited, and then I think it got, because uh, we walked away from what would have been our home, mm-hmm. because of the relatives, mm-hmm. in laws, and fighting for the property. So mother, mother was like, as long as I have my kids, you you, you take t- take whatever you want (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i remember in i think it was senior one when i had constant dreams about this man
1: Mm -hmm.
0: actually what happened was i came from just saying it to saying wait a minute this guy actually died Mm
1: -hmm.
0: he couldn't wait for me Mm -hmm. like is was he such in a hurry Just three months? You can't wait for your child to come? You just go away and then leave them to what? Mm. Every time my mother was struggling, I was angry with him. How dare you leave my mother to struggle? If something happened to me in school, it would never be my mother's problem. Mm -hmm. It was his problem because my mother is trying hard to give me the best. If he was around, I would have gotten the best (laughs) without so much trying Mm -hmm. so everything was directed to him Uh every wrong thing by the way my mother wasn't doing anything it was all him you know and then some things used to happen (laughs) two things happened actually those that that very thing happened twice and I don't know if you believe in this but it also just happened to me there are two teachers that made it hard for me in school one in primary school she said something like, Gun familiar, right your dad? Something like, ya fa. Mm. Actually, she said, Your dead father. Oh, that was and deep. it crushed me. I was like 11 or 12. Mm. And then she didn't return for the week. She was sick. And then senior one, I'm in a completely different school, different environment. These people don't know each other. A teacher tells me I'm not fit in the school. I couldn't have given it first choice. I think I used backdoor. I wasn't fit in the environment. She said so many things. And there's nothing serious I had done. Like, mm. I think she was looking for a moment for a long time because I was also wild, which is also another story. So I think she was looking for a moment with me to mm. get me. So when my neighbors laughed, she picked just me. I was like, I didn't even laugh, you know? She said all those things and. I still cried. I was like, you guys, maybe I wouldn't have come to this school. Maybe I would have been in a better school. And see uh-huh. where I am. Uh-huh. And then she didn't return the whole time. Uh-huh. So when that happened, I was like, wait, this happened in P7, but this was just a week. Or maybe I didn't really follow up because mm-hmm. I didn't care. And then this the whole time the teacher didn't return. Like, oh, this guy is actually looking out for me. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I didn't say ow because I think that time there was no owl. Yeah. And then I started loving him. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, darling, uh-huh. you really missed out on meeting uh-huh. me. But at least you're still there for uh-huh. me, you know, things like that. And then there was a period when I spent almost like a week. The dreams were just about him. Uh-huh. I had a good life. I was bougie in those dreams. <laughs> and then every night, I, I de- there, was n- there was no period I always looked towards sleeping, uh-huh. like in that period. Uh-huh. Because I experienced him, friend, I was friends with ministers, kids, I was having the life. Uh-huh. And then when the dreams stopped, that is when I was like, huh. Yeah, he's really dead. Uh, uh. So, in that s- process of me accepting, uh-huh. he's not going to return, he wasn't a bad person to die. Yeah, he's dead. Uh-huh. So, what next? Uh-huh. This is when my grandmother dies. Uh-huh. And then it triggers everything. For some it. reason, I had sort of gone away from my dad, uh-huh. but maybe it wasn't complete. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. because maybe uh, actually there is a time when I only started, I only started talking about it last year and I Mm -hmm. told the person in that moment, it was like, I lost two parents Mm -hmm. because for me, I had lost, just lost my dad, much as it was 15 years down the road. I had just lost him. And then my grandmother passed on. Yeah. So when you talked about multiple grieving, yeah, that's what, that's that's what, comes to you Mm -hmm.
2: and also the thing that people are going to have to look out for i don't know whether there are any adults listening is that all almost all the children who've lost parents now Mm. their grief isn't going to happen now because their brains haven't fully conceptualized the loss it will happen in like for you Mm. in your teen years in your mid-teens, or in your late teens that's when you will now go through the real grieving yeah but the adults around you have finished So they'll turn around and look at you and go, eh, eh, what's wrong with this one? How are you bringing this up now? When? And many times people don't connect that, oh, this is when this child has now fully understood their loss. And now is when they're going to go through the five stages of grieving. So that's eh. exactly what happened to you. It got to a point where now you understood that actually I have lost my dad.
1: Mm-hmm. So you went
2: through the anger, the bargaining, the acting out. All of that was part of you grieving. Yeah. People might not have acknowledged it as that and told you that that is what was going on, but it was. And even these events, whether they were related or not coincidental, you were able to rationalize them in a manner that helped you reach acceptance. Yeah. Get out of So this is something we're going to have to look out for, even as professionals, as parents, as caregivers, aunties, uncles, is that the kids who've lost parents now, we will see their grief later. We're not going to see it now. Right. Because their brains are not yet ready to fully understand what went wrong. And the fact that this person has gone. So, so that's why it made sense for you at that time to go, I've just accepted that dad has died and now grandma has died. So for it became a multiple death. Mm-hmm. When asked the rest of the people had already sorted out, the adults in your life had already finished this grieving process. And now they were starting a new one. And every grief triggers the last one. That's what people have to remember. And there's a way yeah. in which mental yeah. health is, yeah. is so related. Yeah. It's weird. It's, sometimes you don't know, understand why, but grief triggers. Every grief will trigger the last one. And then you go through another healing process. So what happens is when you're having back-to-backs, back-to-backs. That I mean, is, I went through a period. We went through a period in our family for five years where every year we lost somebody. Five it was the hardest years. time. Yeah. So if you've just lost this one, you're now beginning to come, come to grips with the fact that this person has gone. The next person goes back into the same thing. And it got to a point when even for me as a professional who understood what was going through, I began to have this intense fear of death. Mm. Because it had happened so many times. That now you start wondering whether you're next in the line. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but that's all part of the grieving process. But if you don't stand still and say, okay, this is grieving, I have to find a way to create a new normal. Believe me, we're not telling anybody forget. We're not telling anybody the life is going to go back the way it was. It will never be the same again. Sure. Yeah, and nobody should fool you that you're going back to the way it was. No, you create a new normal. You create a new normal. You learn to move through life's journey with the memory of this person mm. instead of the person walking beside you. And you have to find a way to package this memory so that it is easy to carry as you go through your day to day moving forward. And it takes time for that to happen. And those of us who are supporting, either as friends or relatives, that is how we need to help and guide people through this grief. And, 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 it's hard because we are brought up not to want to talk about these things. We're yeah. brought up to hush hush these things. Talking about it will upset upset the, the person. We don't want them to cry. We don't, you know, because it's uncomfortable. We don't know how to deal with another person's tears. Yeah, we don't know how to deal with sadness. We don't know how to deal with silence. We don't know how to deal. We, we become uncomfortable. But in times like this, COVID, it necessitates us to learn these skills because it's for. Not just the survival of your friend, but should you become affected,
0: yeah, that is what yeah, you need from everybody else as well. There was a moment when you talked about something like, it's normal when you don't want people. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was a little bit scary on my part. Because mm-hmm. if you're left alone, at what point are you allowed to move into the social spaces with other people? to
2: be honest i feel a, like it gets harder I'll tell you when you're ready as long as you're not a danger to yourself and a danger to others those are the two basic rules as long as
0: you're not a danger, you a danger, to, danger yourself. to yourself
2: are you a danger to others or if you haven't crossed that line
0: do you all mm. mm. right yeah thank you so much yeah. for helping Please. us understand what it's like two to five grieve two? yeah start two, Star two, two five two. hush option Option
2: 10 10, and we are there to provide support and that is strong minds uganda and we are a mental health organization and we support people who are going through a difficult time mainly treating depression but you know grief and depression are related so if you're going through a difficult time you do not know what's going on you need more answers it's a bit strange you haven't figured it out just pick up the phone dial in, we'll get back to you within 72 hours. Yeah. Uh, If you have an emergency, you'll get a message that will give you a number to call while it's, if it's an emergency, somebody Mm -hmm. will talk to you and help you make sense of what's going on.
0: Right. Yeah. Helps you make sense Mm -hmm. of what's going on. That is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Because at some point, I think... when we are with ourselves like can you make it make sense because Mm -hmm. even with yourself you're like can you get serious Mm -hmm. that's what happened to me last year like Mm. 13 years are you serious can you can you get serious Mm -hmm. yeah sure okay thank you
2: so much thank you thank you for being vulnerable because you've made it easier to Talk about to explain what's going on with people by using your own example and yeah, your own story. Yeah, so, yeah. I hope whoever is listening will be able to identify with that mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. dial in if they need support. Yeah.
0: And I think what helped also was that I started talking. Mm-hmm. The, year, the years before last year, I wasn't talking about it. Mm-hmm. So, I think vocalizing these things mm-hmm. helps a lot. So thank you so much for giving us your time.
2: <laughs> You're welcome, Nabuguzi.
0: I dedicate this episode to you and I. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Hashtime with Chuanuka. If you loved what you heard, make sure you subscribe to Hashtag with in your podcast platform of choice and share it with your friends. Let them know that this virtual space is for them yeah it is for you and I but it is for them as well it is for all of us also feel free to share your insights about what connected with you on social media and be sure to tag us we are at hashtag we on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter our handle is at podcast. you can reach us on our email hdnkpodcast at gmail.com your reviews are welcome and I really look forward to hearing from you until then catch you in the next episode